you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, and now of all of Locked On. We actually have a lot to talk about on the show today. Uh, as promised, we'll get into the Eddie Rosario situation because it, it's been a hot button. This guy just won the NLCS MVP and the Indians gave him away. It's still the right call. But, uh, before I dive too deeply, I do want to thank you for making Lockdown Indians your first listen every morning, free and available on all pod- podcasting platforms, apps. If it's a podcasting anything, you can find Lockdown Indians. But to get back to it, the Indians traded away the NLCS MVP. Uh, and essentially a cost-cutting move, and it was 100% still the right move. We'll explain that. We're also going to explain why Tito Francona, uh, coming back for 2022, has hurt the Indians already, hurt them significantly, and has hurt them for the next decade, uh, at least. And you might say that that is hyperbolic, uh, but I'm going to explain why. And at the end, you know, I I always ask the fans to get back to me. Let's give a shout-out to uh, Cleveland Guardians fans at Seattle BB. Uh, who just listened to the pod and said no on the international signing of Seiya Suzuki, who I talked about on yesterday's show. You can go back and listen. If you missed on why, I was like, this is the guy I'd like to see the Indians add. But now that I've said that, uh, you know, let me know what you think. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the hottest of takes today. I'm going to go so against the grain on multiple points. Uh, I'm, I'd love to hear what the fans think and uh, agree or disagree with these hot fire takes. So let's start off with Eddie Rosario, because that's what I promised over the weekend. This is the big thing. So the Indians traded Eddie Rosario uh, for Pablo Sandoval and let him go. Now, just at basic value level, if the Indians could have given away Eddie Rosario for free, they would have. There was no trade out there where they were going to get anything of value for him. They couldn't even give him away for free at the deadline. I'm going to reiterate that Eddie Rosario could not be given away for free at the deadline because the Indians wouldn't take back Pablo Sandoval's contract uh, just to immediately cut him if they could have just given away Eddie Rosario. So that that's the first point. So know that when they sat there and made this trade, uh, they were trading a player whose value was so low, nobody wanted him for free. He was completely unavailable for free. I thought it was a great addition. I went on record my hot take. We had to, every network had to do hot takes every on the every show on the network, I should say. Mine was the Indians' offense would be better this year than last year. That ended up being true, side note. That hot take was true. Part of it, though, a big part of it was the idea that they added Eddie Rosario. And that Eddie Rosario, you know, for his career, had been a strong offensive player. Uh, 111 runs created plus, 104, 114, 117. I'm like, they haven't had an outfielder who's had a 110 WRC in a long time. Or one that's done consistently. And that this guy was going to be good for 20, 25 home runs. He was just going to be an offensive machine, and you deal with the fact that he is a horrible defender because the offense is there. It was a smart signing at the time because, you know, he he was, what, 28? No, 29. Still in his 20s, long history of high-level performance. Uh, I don't don't hold the Indians accountable for how bad he was with them. Uh, There's been all sorts of reasons. One, he doesn't like cold weather, and, you know, the Twins play in a dome and things like that. But... I, you know, for whatever reason, he just, he was, he was dogging it. Like, if you watched him play, you would see him dogging it out there. He was not playing at full speed. He just wasn't. There was no way to watch Eddie Rosario and be like, that guy is giving it his all. 
Now, that has always been kind of his game. He's always been up and down. If you go back and listen to my talk with Nash Walker when we were doing the previews, who runs Locked on Twins, he talked about, you know, the Eddie Rosario experience. The highs are high, the lows are low. Unfortunately, we only got lows. So you get to the deadline, and the Indians have a player here who is making, I think, $8 million. And I think Sandoval, so essentially it's like they owe him four more million. I think Sandoval was about a million, so they end up saving $3 million by giving him away. Uh, they are giving him away to save $3 million, and it's still the right call. Yes, he goes to Atlanta, and in 33 games has a 133 runs created plus. He ends the year with a 98 for his runs created plus overall, so just a hair below average. But that's how bad he was in Cleveland, as good as he was in Atlanta, couldn't even get up, up to average. Uh, he's a terrible defender, so if he's not hitting, he brings two negative values to the game. And he's a 29-year-old player in a contract year because it was a one-year contract. Uh, when you have him there and you are not going to play him, uh, this is not a guy who's going to sit back and be happy about that, right? He is not a player uh, who's going to be all about the team. No, he is going to be disruptive. He is going to be angry about his role. He already seemed unhappy in his role in Cleveland uh, at points. So if you hold on to him and decide to not play him, you uh, you would just have an upset player. If you hold on to him and play him, then you don't give at-bats to your younger players to see what they have in a season that you are not postseason bound. Due to injuries, they had no shot. Uh, you know, I see a lot of people angry at the Dolans with this whole situation. Oh, the Dolans saved $3 million. Well, one, I'm hoping that this was a front office move more than anything else. And again, the Dolans have never been dictators of what the front office do. They let the team make baseball decisions. They might limit the finances, but they don't sit there and say, okay, you have to cut money here or there. The Indians have cut money. And, you know, the most infamous case I can remember is when they, you know, Paul Bird, along with other players, were traded. It was like the 2010 draft, or was it? No, it was 2009. Whatever the Chisholm Hall draft was, uh, and that's how they got T.J. House, they got Bryce Stowell, they got T.J. Fedorov. Uh, none of those players would have signed, but they saved money and then immediately were able to use it on draft picks. That's the only time I could think about that one-to-one -one occurring. In this case, they made the smart move. Eddie Rosario was a smart addition, especially at the cost to acquire. Taking some of that money from the Lindor trade, some of that extra um, space they had to bring back Cesar, to bring back Eddie. You know, Cesar had a bad year. Like, he actually, the best part of his year was with Cleveland. He was coming off a gold glove and one of his strongest recent performances, uh, and they did not have a ready-made option at second base. That was a smart signing. Eddie Rosario had been a consistent offensive outfielder. It was a smart signing. Both blew up. Trading Eddie Rosario for savings leads people to say, oh, Dolan's cheap. There was nothing there. You, the best you could get was savings, and the best we can hope is that savings will be used as investment, that they saved more money, so maybe next year they can roll that $3 million into the team. Uh, maybe that doesn't happen. And then maybe there's a, a level of, hey, the Dolans just saved $3 million. But even if nothing came of it, what do you do? Do you cut a guy? Like, it's it just it's silly to be like, oh, no, they should just cut him and eat the whole cost rather than uh, pay $1 million. You know, people are like, well, they paid another team to – they're paying a guy for another team – they, they took on a bad contract. They took on a lesser bad contract. Yes, Atlanta saved $1 million, but they paid the other three. Like, that's just, in what world is that the right move to just pay money to cut a guy? No, you should always take savings. Hopefully, again, it's reinvested in the team. But even if it isn't, 
like why wouldn't you not do a deal that's going to cost less overhead like that makes sense and there was nothing out there again if they could have gotten a prospect if they could have gotten anything uh they would have done it they wouldn't just sit there and make a deal where uh, they have to take a bad contract back if it was literally uh anything else they could have done there was no other team with interest there was no other team willing to do anything it reminds me of a year ago when they let Brad Hand pass through waivers. Do you remember that? Before they let him go, didn't pick up his option. Because another team would then be able to pick up his option. And instead, the Indians wouldn't have to pay the $1 million buyout. The margins are so thin on this team because of COVID, because of the ownership situation. And this is where you can get mad at Dolan, where he is very insistent that this team loses money all the time and that he really pulled the belt tight after the COVID year that that's where you get mad at Dolan. You don't get mad about the Eddie Rosario situation. They This is a team, again, it has very small margins. I am going to assume, and I could be wrong, that that $3 million gives them a little bit more for next year. That is the way they've always typically operated, that when things like this happen, it's something they don't necessarily roll over, but it gives them more flexibility. It gives them that ability to, if you remember the story at the time was, you know, the, the projected numbers were, were that they did not want to go out and add another player, that based on what they had in terms of expectations to break even as a team that they couldn't, that essentially Dolan was paying out of pocket for Rosario. I, you know, I, I was kind of like, eh, on that story at the time, I still am kind of eh. And the fact that, like, we have to have a story even like that, that we're trying to praise him for getting that payroll up to over $40 million, that is where you can shred uh, the Dolan ownership group. That is where you can really get into, like, that is an issue as an owner. But the Rosario situation is just silly. They made the right move. It is still the right move. This team was going nowhere. He was a free agent to be. He was going to be unhappy either way. And you needed to see what you had. I wish we would have seen more Daniel Johnson. We didn't get that. But I, I, right now, because we did not have Eddie Rosario unhappily, badly playing the outfield and hitting because he was not motivated, uh, they were able to, I mean, we can say. I mean, I've talked with other Locked On hosts. They want to trade for Zimmer. If we can trade Zimmer, great. Uh, his name comes up whenever I talk to them of potential trades. But I think we all agree Zimmer's not a part of the future here. We can all agree seeing Mercado that, I mean, he's, you know, these are two players without options, probably no future in Cleveland, and Harold Ramirez. We got to look at three players uh, that we would not have gotten that look out if we had just wrote it out with Eddie Rosario. And again, you write it out, even if he ends up being as good for Atlanta as he, in Cleveland as he was for Atlanta, then he walks at the end of the year and you still don't have anything. They weren't going to give him a qualifying offer based on 30 good games. Uh, there was no value. There was no positive outcome. The best outcome was giving those reps to younger players. It was the right call then. It is the right call now. Uh, it generates headlines, and it's very easy to, you know, people love to pick apart the Indians, even though their front office is getting picked apart because of how intelligent and good it is. Uh, and we'll talk about those picking aparts in the second half of the show today. I've talked about Rock Auto so many times. And again, I am not a car person. I want to point out that I have no knowledge, ability of cars, but Rock Auto is still a great place to go. I'm going there right now. Uh, I like the fact that they're happy customers from New Zealand. Let you know how far they reach. They deliver promotions and rebates, letting you know right up front, extra ways to save money. Easy to navigate site, even for someone like me. And again, I'm telling you, you can sit there and go get filters, get uh, windshield wipers, pieces like that, that they... They charge you an arm and a leg relative to the ease of install. You can watch a YouTube video, go install those. You go to rockauto.com, make sure to let them know Locked On send you. That helps us out. And you're going to save yourself money. It might take you a little more time, but you're going to save yourself money when you do just those small parts. And if you're someone who knows cars, then, I mean, you should be going there already. 
because you are going to save yourself so much money. Right now, you know, they just let you know on the web page. They're, they're highlighting their 2010 Chevy Traverse wheel bearing and hub. $107.79 for them. You can go down to advance. Almost $100 more. Go check it out for yourself at rockauto.com. That's rockauto.com. Make sure you let them know Locked On sent you. Okay, so I did the hyperb hyperbolic chat at the beginning about how Tito has made this team worse for next year and into the future. Let's get into this. So Ruben Niebla has been maybe the central part of the Indians' development pipeline for pitching. I, there is not a pitcher that I have talked to in the system who did not bring him up unprompted. There is not one who didn't talk about work Ruben had done with them. And yes, he had been promoted from roving minor league coordinator to the major leagues because teams have been sniffing for a while around him. Everybody knows the amazing work he does. Everyone knows just what he has meant to the Indians in terms of their ability to develop pitches. Uh, you sit down, I mean, even dating back to like Corey Kluber, I retweet something from Jim Pete today, which I remember like hearing my own version of that story where like Niebla just sat with Kluber and worked with him on that two seam approach until it was down. And that became a bread and butter pitch for him. And you just keep going through. And yes, they have a lot of very intelligent people. Matt Blake, who went to the Yankees to be their pitching coach a year ago, was, you know, kind of the left hand while Niebla was the right hand. But Blake wasn't there as long. Niebla has been there for a while. And again, there was not one pitcher I talked to uh, in rehab outings when they were in AA or who was coming up through the system who did not mention him when they're talking about, well, how they had made improvements or changes in pitching or work. His name always came up. It's just when I saw that he is leaving for San Diego, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that I've talked about San Diego's development is broken. I would be going out there and trying to acquire as many pitchers from San Diego as one can because the development is just bad. And you can look at arguably the two best teams at developing pitching right now are the Brewers and the Indians. Brewers went out, added Eric Lauer. Think about the importance that he uh, had after many years pitching in San Diego with issues with their development. Think about the Indians with Cal Quantrell and what they turned him into after he was and up and down. I mean, he was more of a quad A guy in San Diego than anything else. Cleveland gets him and he turned into, you know, he was, what he did in the second half was amazing. I don't expect replication of that, but he looks like a mid-rotation starter. To go from an up and down reliever, a quad A reliever to a number three is incredible value. And a lot of that, I, you know, it's, if you go to Ruben Niebla's page right now, you can see he's retweeting a bunch of Quantrell stuff. You know, we spent a lot of time with him. Uh, and if you're saying, okay, that's fine. So this is a huge loss. This is sad. This is terrible. To me, honestly, like this is there is no coach that I would hate to lose more. This is the one coach that when I saw that, I was like many, many swear words. Uh, because, like I said, you cannot, it, it just, his touch is everywhere. And I mean that in as good of a way as possible. Uh, his impact is felt everywhere. And yes, you know, he does not get as much time in the minors. He did, He's mostly focused on the major league team. But think about the improvements we saw with pitchers from the major league team this year. And think about the importance of that. Uh, so why is this Tito's fault? You might ask. Why is my statement about Tito hurting this team now into the future? Tito loves his old boys club. He absolutely adores his old boys club. Go read all the things that happened with Mickey Calloway. Uh, over on the athletic and you can see it was I mean Tito's hand and all that was problematic at best uh, talking to a woman who was having an affair with Mickey Calloway's husband because uh, he didn't want that guy going to the press or making a big deal out of it 
you know, that's not baseball related. That is nothing to do with the Indians. Yet he's spending his time and money there because Mickey is one of the old boys club. When Mickey leaves, they go out and bring in, I want to make sure I get this right, uh, just because I was recently, uh, Carl Willis. Sorry, I was, I've been having Mark Wiley on the mind because he was just let go by Colorado. And he was a different era of pitching coach. But uh, Carl Lewis was brought back and he had bounced around. And it was a weird hire at the time when he was brought in to be the pitching coach. But he is part of that old boys network. And think about Ty Van Berkeleo, where uh, he was the longest tenured hitting coach in baseball because the old boys network. That's one of Tito's buds. Ruben Niebla should already be the pitching coach. He probably does a large chunk of that work, and they have kind of a three-headed monster in terms of pitching coaches already in Cleveland, which is what they were hoping to do with the hitting coach as well. And I mean, it's more in a triumvirate. You can go down there, pitching coordinators, their performance coaches that also sometimes have things to do with pitching. But when you look at just the main set of, we have a pitching coach and an assistant pitching coach, and it is not even debatable who uh, which one is more valuable. Uh, between Willis and Niebla, but because Niebla is an assistant pitching coach, he, you know, he wants a chance to be the pitching coach, get the title, likely more money as well, and I can't blame him. <laughs> you know, maybe he, or maybe he just wants to go live in San Diego. Uh, necessarily couldn't blame him for that either, but you can't help but feel, as an Indians fan, that if he was the pitching coach, I feel like there's a much better chance he stays. You know, he knows the management. He knows he's liked and appreciated. He knows the value that the Indians represent. Uh, they know his value. And then just the general stability in Cleveland is a huge bonus. But he's not one of Tito's boys. He's not. He was promoted. Uh, Niebla was promoted because another team had come calling before when he was a minor league coordinator. Uh, so he got this promotion. And it just it wasn't enough. When Terry goes... When Tito Francona leaves, which is likely at the end of this season, you know, they already said Ty Van Berkeleo is out. Okay, enough is enough. Uh, he's not doing enough with his job. Like I said, you can go back if you have an athletic membership. I have one. I would recommend it. Zach Meisel, who is normally very even keeled, <laughs> goes pretty in-depth on ten, you know Ty Van Berkeleo, almost making it sound like someone who's being negligent in his duties. Uh, now, he doesn't say that, but you can kind of get to that in there. Carl Willis, I mean, he gets. if you go and you look, I don't have it open anymore. His Wikipedia talks about how he's been the coach for five different Cy Young winners. He wasn't there for the development of those guys. You know, he kind of jumped in uh, or was there uh, after they were established. But the development of those guys, uh, the development of the Indians pitching in general, Ruben Niebla was a lot of that. And I'll just reiterate for the hundredth time in this section of the show, his name came up every single pitcher, every single time. I never asked, so what did Ruben work with you, with you? They would tell me, you know, it's like, oh, what are you working on? You know, what is, uh, what do you think is making you a better pitcher? Or like, what's been the difference this year? And I'm like, well, I was talking, I'm talking with Ruben and we, a lot of, after talking with Ruben, this, or, you know, I, his name was just so consistent. And this is a huge loss. Uh, he should have been the pitching coach already. Uh, you know, like I said, I'll also say go check out Jim Pete, who I know was spending time around the minors when I was as well, and he had a similar view. And Will Gage, I also saw, had some stuff. But it, it is. It's this idea that Tito likes to hire the guys close to him in age. He has a lot of guys who he's familiar with in those prime roles. And, you know, like I said, let me know. Am I being too hyperbolic uh, with this? Do you think I'm being unfair? Uh, 
what is your view? Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm very conflicted because a part of me is hoping this deal falls apart with San Diego. San Diego fans are, are annoyed. Like, oh, they don't even have a manager yet. Anyone who isn't around baseball, uh, if you get hired to be San Diego's general manager, or manager, you know upheaval is likely coming unless you find immediate success, A, and B, you know the job Ruben Niebla has done, and you're going to be very happy that he is your pitching coach because everyone around baseball knows and respects him. And I would hazard a guess that most managers would be like, that is a bonus. Not like upset that they don't get to bring in their own pitching coach. That is a bonus situation when you get to walk in and know you have someone there who can help your pitchers, who's going to be able to sit down and work with guys. Uh, you know, I guarantee you, Clevenger will have a tweet the minute this happens about how excited he is. Uh, it's it's awful if you're an Indians fan. Like, there's no other way around it. Like, you know, we've spent this whole year talking about the Rule Five Draft. I'd rather lose three of you know four prospects in the Rule Five, which honestly could happen with the Cubs. I'll just leave that out there. Like, if they don't protect Cantillo, he's going to be a Cub next year. Uh, but Carter Hawkins again, like that hurt the organization. It wasn't they had enough strength there that they were going to be able to recover. This is a situation where after losing Matt Blake last year and now Ruben Niebla, those were the two stars of the pitching development. This is a huge loss for this organization. And, you know, Tito brought so much value when he came in. And in that postseason, uh, you know, when they made it to the World Series, he was an innovator. And that was fantastic. But these last few years with his inability to stay healthy, inability to be near the team and refusal to play young hitters, uh, they're being set back. And that's... This feels like, hey, he's done so much for us. We're going to let him manage this year so we can get the wins record. And that seems to be something that, you know, came up and gets talked about a lot. But him coming back, if it cost you Ruben Niebla, has set back this organization uh, significantly. We're going to take a next commercial break, come back, and discuss our final few sleepers that I had uh, for next season. That online has been a sponsor for a while. They're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action, along with baseball postseason action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50%, 5050 welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. For the 2021 season, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so before we get into the sleepers, two quick notes. One, they announced the list of potential silver sluggers. There is one Indian on the list. Do I really have to spell it out for you? In case you're really brain ranked, it's Jose Ramirez. Two, uh, as I was digging through some things in between, uh, there is, I should be completely fair. I went to look at Ruben Yebo's Twitter. Uh, there is a chance, after everything I just said, now I do think if he was the official pitching coach and he had full title and everything that went with it, there is a better chance you're keeping him, and it's also harder for lateral moves to happen. Uh, if he was the full pitching coach, uh, I don't think a team can just hire a pitching coach without your permission. The Indians might have given permission. They've always been very chill about letting people go. Uh, that has never been something they've never blocked or required compensation when a guy moves on. Uh, but it's a lot harder. It's a lateral move. I say this because I was looking at his Twitter. Uh, Ruben Niebla has a child who started college in August at San Diego State. So uh, even though it maybe hurts my argument, I'm going to always be upfront, honest, give you all the available information and, and to say, you know, sure, money is going to be nice. A title is going to be nice. 
but as someone who has uh, two children, just being closer to your kid matters. I think that could also be something that uh, matters to Ruben. Uh, either way, I will stand like that is, and I'm not the only one out there saying like literally take anyone else. I will any other coach. Like this was the one coach that I did not want to lose, and I'm not alone. And anyone who has spent a lot of time in around the minors echoes that feel uh, right now. So now that we got through those two points, I had one sleeper left. I had one player I didn't get to, one player I want to talk about here. And again, I don't know if this is necessarily someone you can acquire. This guy, I debated if he should even qualify because I think he is a top 10 prospect for another organization. And that's Brendan Donovan, second baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I thought I'd still mention him because the Indians and Cardinals do make some sense. I talked about the Nick Plummer uh, trade idea and why I liked that idea. Uh, the Cardinals have needs up the middle. Paul DeJong, uh, I mean, honestly, they are in an Eddie Rosario situation. If they could give away DeJong right now, I am pretty sure they would. That contract is not great, and he was no longer a starter by the end of the year. Uh, but let's get into Brandon Donovan and why he stood out. So he spent, he started this year in high A, and he went high A, double A, triple A. Now, in 2019, he did have one game in triple A. But if, you, if we get rid of his one triple A game, he had never played above A ball before this year. This year went high A, double A, triple A. He spent 25, 50, and 33 games, and he raked across all levels. 127, 134, 139 runs created plus, 12 total home runs, uh, walked, uh, let's see, on average, over 11% of the time. Strikeout percentage was 17. ISO, a little bit lower. Uh, I mean, the average one here is probably going to be closer to about... 140, but he's a, like I said, he's a second baseman, former seventh round draft pick. I was going to see if they had him playing anywhere else. Had a little bit of time in left as well this year. A little bit of time at short, a little bit of time at third, uh, mostly at second base, but he did play other spots is, is basically what I'm trying to get at. They, they had him 22 games this past year at second, 18 at third. Uh, oh, that's not quite, that's 18. So Sorry, because uh, Fangraphs is breaking it down by level. So he had you know close to 30 games this year at second base across multiple levels, uh, 27 if we're being exact. While he had 30 games at third, and then in the outfield, about 17 games. And then shortstop was 12 games. So as you can see, already being trained in that utility rule. Uh, again, the runs created plus across the levels jumped out, and the walk percentage to go with it. Not big power, and again, He's a top 10 prospect for the Cardinals. Probably not the player. He needs to be added Rule 5 eligible. This isn't like Miguel Vargas, where I was talking about him with the Dodgers, where uh, that guy just hits, and he's got some walk rate data, and he's got the size to grow into his power, and he's not Rule 5 eligible. Like, that makes Miguel Vargas more interesting. Brendan Donovan is Rule 5 eligible. Up the middle player, it's not really the ideal the Indians need. But, again, for this sleeper series, I was looking at specific stat thresholds trying to find the next kind of breakout talent, trying to find that next guy who might be undervalued. It might be one of those things a year from now, we go back and say, did I hit? Did any of these guys do anything this year? Did, who completely fell apart? Some of these sleepers I mentioned are going to end up being nothing. Like they're going to end up making me look dumb. Some may make me look smart, but I bet there is more that end up turning into nothing than turn into something just because it's the nature of these deep dives. And it's the nature of a lot of these guys just don't get real opportunities. So we'll have to come back and see. Donovan was the last guy from my list. You know, we talked about uh, Vargas, and I'm blanking on 
who my other player was um, from Monday's show. But that takes us through. That is all of the players in the upper minors who had uh, strong seasons of performance who weren't like top 100 prospects or weren't, you know, over the age of 30, except for I did talk about, I believe I talked about Tyler White. I debated that. I had closed his tab and I'm like, I don't remember talking about him. But Tyler White was the interesting one because he performed really well with the Astros. Killed the Indians that one postseason, then completely fell apart. And he was the guy who dominated the minors. Went to Korea, I want to say. Kind of got it back. And this year at age 30 in AAA was performing really well. Uh, he's a DH first baseman. Can be a bit hard for Cleveland to take a gamble on that. But if I was a bad team, absolutely. You know, if I was uh, Pittsburgh. Because let's say he comes up, he plays really well. You have multiple years of control and he's an interesting trade asset. That's uh, If he doesn't work, hey, you can let him go. He's making bet minimum. But the whole point of this is to to also show you like what stands out for me if I'm trying to find that sleeper. What stats am I looking at? What am I looking at in terms of performance? And to give us kind of a wider net of some names that are interesting, names that maybe not everyone is discussing, let me know what you think. Let me know which sleeper was your favorite. I'm Maybe it's recent bias, uh, but you know Nick Plummer is one. Not that recent. That was last week. But Miguel Vargas just stands out as he's the only guy I talked about who you don't have to add to the 40-man. Like if you can trade a few pieces. And that Dodgers team, you know, they're going to lose some guys. They are going to be a bit of a mess. But I am hoping uh, the Indians could be the ones to help them with uh, some of their depth issues. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, we'll have to see. Because, again, all this is going to come down to CBA and then what these teams do, their own moves and everything like that. But, yeah, those are the players that sit out for sleepers. We finished off that series. We're going to dive into some history likely tomorrow unless there's new uh, news. And I'm just going to be sad about Ruben Niebla. Like, that's just, that's sadness is going to be throughout this podcast uh, for a while because there is no pitcher, no pitcher, and no pitching coach more important to the Cleveland organization. And I, in my opinion, no coach more important to the Cleveland Indians organization. I have been Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you for listening and making Lockdown Indians your first listen every day, downloading daily, rating, and reviewing. All of that, in addition, helps. Uh, go check out the other fantastic Locked On Cleveland podcasts. And as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.